0: Hello, and welcome to Mars. You
1: are listening to the Helicopter. So, David, what are we listening to there? We are
0: listening to the sounds of the metallic wheels of the Perseverance rover move across the dusty surface of Jezero Crater on Mars. I guess the scrapes we can hear are those metal wheels churning up rocks and slowly
1: destroying themselves. So is that, is that happening now? Is that a live recording or yeah. what, what's, what's going on? That is happening right now. The rover is driving across rocks right now, but that recording is a couple of months old. I think it's from one of the very first days of the mission. Have we ever heard, it's, it's, we're listening to sounds from another planet. That's pretty, pretty phenomenal piece of uh, pretty cool. engineering and science. Yeah, isn't it? And it's
0: surprising that uh, we've never done it before. We've never bothered to take a microphone with us to Mars or anywhere else
1: in the solar system. Why would that be? Is that a, a cost? It t- costs a lot of money to get to another planet, presumably. It
0: does. It costs a lot of money for each instrument, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so you don't build things that don't have really obvious science cases, I think. And the microphone just never made the cut.
1: It's obviously proving useful now.
0: Definitely useful for science outreach, and isn't it cool to hear the the, the wind and the, the noise of the rocks being driven on? And we even heard the first uh, um, aircraft deployed on another planet, the Ingenuity helicopter, the other day. We heard that flying past in the microphone.
1: So, what is what's the uh, Perseverance rover actually trying to achieve? Why have we spent all this money and effort to put it on another planet? Good question.
0: I mean, it's not my money. It's NASA's money. It's the, the American taxpayer's money, I guess, although there are lots of contributions from all over the world, including our own here in Australia, the QUT. Um, although it looks like the Curiosity rover, it looks really similar. It's the same sort of overall design, but it's got completely different goals, really ambitious new goals. Uh, so we've gone to this ancient crater lake on Mars, and we're looking at the rocks and trying to figure out whether that lake that was there we think maybe four billion years ago was ever the sort of place that life as we know it could have survived. Um, We're also testing some new technology, we're making oxygen, um, trying to figure out how that works on Mars and we're starting the process of bringing samples back to Earth where we can look at them in some of the awesome labs we have around for the first time. So it's a really exciting mission as you well know.
1: So and what's your job, Uh, what's your role in this yeah, I'm
0: a, something called a long-term planner. Help figure out where we're going and, and what we're going to sample, and the sort of longer-term strategy. And we have a group here at QUT that's uh, producing software that we use to help analyse the science data that comes back, where we investigate the chemistry of rocks. And we've got a group of scientists who are helping to uh, analyse that data and uh, help command the, the movements of the rover. And a, a pretty big team here. Yeah. And we'll, I guess we'll hear about that in one of these future podcasts. Speaking of podcasts,
1: if that's what they are calling this, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? So this is part of the uh, online content that we are going to uh, make available for ERB 102, Evolving Earth, which is part of the Earth Science Major.
0: What we're really trying to make happen is the interactivity, right? So yeah. if you've got a question about anything, post it onto the discussion board. Worst thing that can happen is we totally ignore it. Yeah. Um, you may even end up here as a guest on our Exclusive podcast. Exactly. But only if you wish it. We wouldn't put anyone on the spot. No. So what are we going to talk about
1: today? So on Earth, we, we can go and pick up the rocks and we, we can go through a process of figuring out the age of those rocks. On Mars, we've never, never taken samples before. That's right. You know, how do we know how old that location is?
0: we don't really know exactly how old it is. That's the truth. And and the reason for that, exactly as you just pointed out, we can't get any rocks back into our lab. Now, I know you have some experience dating rocks on Earth. So how, how
1: would you date a rock here? So we have laboratories that are dedicated to analyze the chemistry of rock. And the chemistry can hold all sorts of uh, of information about how that rock formed and where, what pressure and temperature and all those sorts of things, whether it was in the ocean or deep in the earth. One of the main uses of geochemistry, uh, which is the chemical analysis of rocks, is that uh, you can use different isotopes. I guess we should explain what isotopes are. Yeah. So what's an isotope? Oh, an
0: isotope. Oh, you put me on the spot here. Sorry. Let, let's, say, let's say you've got uh, elements. We've all seen the periodic table, hopefully, in high yep. school chemistry class. Um, and each of those elements have a certain number of protons and neutrons That's in right. the nuclei. If you have different amounts of protons and neutrons, particularly neutrons, you, will have, uh, you can have to be the same element but different isotopes. For example, if you are an atom of hydrogen, you've got one proton and one electron. And so if you have one proton and one neutron, you're still hydrogen, but you're a different isotope. You are now deuterium. Mm-hmm. And if you have even more neutrons, you can become tritium. So it's all hydrogen. It, it is chemically
1: very similar to ordinary hydrogen, but it has a different weight. Yeah. So yeah. it creates a different, very subtle changes in mass.
0: So each element has a lot of different flavors, and they're called isotopes, and some of them are unstable. So decay into other things.
1: Yeah, so by unstable, uh, there's this term radioactive or radiogenic. And what that means is that the isotope decays over time. So it goes through a process of change from a parent isotope to a daughter isotope. Uh, How can
0: you use that to figure out how
1: old a rock is? So if you know how quickly the decay occurs, you can calculate the age of... Said material by comparing the amount of parent isotope to the amount of daughter isotope. So one that's commonly used and he, you hear about is is radiocarbon, a technique to date recent material like by geological. The Julian Trout, right? Yeah. So Divisions. within thousands of years, hundreds, well, even tens to hundreds to thousands of years. And one of the reasons uh, that is useful is because. Uh, that particular isotope incorporates very well into organic material. Uh, it's produced in the atmosphere, and everything that interacts with the atmosphere uh, takes that in. But it also has a quite a short half-life, so it decays quite quickly. So we can use that to date uh, things from around, up to around 40,000 years old. So what if the rocks are older than 40,000 years? So you can use uh, different isotope systems. So uh, geochemists spend a lot of time figuring out Different, what, different minerals, how they take in different isotope systems, and uh, based on variations in half-lives of, of these isotope systems, you can apply uh, a different isotope to, to a different length, period of time. So if we're talking about sort of billions of years... Billions. You mentioned four billion years, but there are a take. There we would have to look at a particular isotope system. Usually we use uranium lead for that.
0: So how old is the stuff around us then if we've gone around and dated it all with this very complex sounding technique that sounds like it's based on solid fundamental principles?
1: Uh, So most of the stuff around us is quite relatively much younger than four billion years so in in Brisbane we're surrounded by things rocks that are around up to 100 million several up to 400 million years old that's Mm an order of magnitude Less than what we're talking about. It's still about. a lot. But it's still, guess, it's still quite million. old. It's, it's incomprehensible million. amount of time, it's really.
0: 4,000 million years, isn't it? That's a, that's a huge amount of time.
1: So, David, how do we know how old <laughs> the uh, Earth is? One of the
0: ways we know how old the solar system is, because the Earth is a little bit younger than the solar system, it's alive, it's being uh, resurfaced, as we'll, we'll talk about, uh, we can find, though, a piece of the very early solar system frozen in place, a meteorite, say, that formed at the very beginning and has just been floating in space ever since. So every now and again, meteorites like that, they land on the Earth, and there are minerals in those meteorites that we can date using radioisotope dating. But so before well, that, which was not that long ago, how did we know the age of the Earth or the age of the different rocks that have accumulated on the Earth?
1: So uh, that's, a, that's a good question. So geo- the science of geology has been around much, obviously much longer than uh, mass spectrometers and the concept of geological time still very much existed before that. Despite many efforts to sort of figure out what the age of the earth through speculation, people really didn't have an idea and what they were were able to do is establish a relative age of materials. Mm -hmm. I remember some of those
0: speculative attempts or Uh, like I remember someone tried to realise that uh, rocks were being weathered and all of the Uh, elements like sodium were being washed into the oceans. The uh, The oceans were more salty. So you measure the saltiness of the oceans, you know how old the earth is. But what, of course, they they missed was that the salt is also being removed from the ocean. And, of of course, there's a biblical. That's right. You can uh, investigate that uh, ancient uh, text, the Bible, and uh, some people have interpreted uh, parts of the Bible to to indicate the earth is rather young, I think 6,000 years is very literal interpretation. Mm. But so what happened back then? Even so, those early geologists like uh, Hutton, um, one of the fathers of geology, they realised that the Earth was much older, and they figured out a system
1: to date some of the rocks they were seeing. So yeah, this comes into play when we look at the geometric relationships of different rocks that mm-hmm. we observe uh, on the surface. So imagine you, you walk down to the beach and you see a cliff. Yes. What do
0: you mean by the geometric relationships?
1: So our geological nomenclature, let's just say, Mm -hmm. we have uh, three different rock types. So we have a sedimentary rock. Mm -hmm. Sedimentary rock is one that forms on the Earth's surface and usually the result of some sort of erosion and weathering Mm -hmm. of of an existing rock uh, to create particles and those particles get transported by wind or water Mm. uh, under gravity. So imagine we're standing on that
0: beach. We're seeing new rocks being created right underneath our feet, right? That That's right. The beach is actually going
1: to turn into a rock at some point. So there's a there's a horizontal uh, aspect to that. Yeah, they're flat lying, so, obviously, because the Earth's mostly yeah. flat. So okay. when we have different layers of those sedimentary rocks mm-hmm. uh, build up over the expanse of geological time, yeah. we have a stacking layer cake scenario. So mm-hmm. the rocks that are at the bottom of that stack... Mm-hmm are going to be older. That
0: makes sense. One thing that may not make sense to a lot of people is how that layer cake then gets lifted up high again. If the rocks are deposited at the level of the beach in a layer
1: cake stratigraphy, they're going to build up to the level of the water and they can't go any higher. So one of the other rock types that we have is igneous rocks. Igneous rocks are those that uh, form from a molten rock liquid, if you Mm -hmm. will. And they typically need a lot. They, well, they're high temperature rocks. Mm. Uh, when they're deep down in the earth, uh, they form these uh, large crystalline rocks called plutons, and that's what you see on typically on like granite bench tops and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Your bench top at home is made of one of these previously molten rocks. Yeah. So when you see big crystals, that's something that's uh, formed from a a rock that's formed from a liquid deep in the earth. Mm-hmm. The vertical movements uh, in, uh, in geology are typically caused by a process related to plate tectonics. Mm-hmm. So plate, you you're familiar with plate tectonics, David? I am. There are so, some sceptics. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> but I'm not one of them. We know that the different continents you can see are like bits of scum floating around on this, uh, like a soup being boiled, this convection of the lava underneath in the pot, and the continents are just floating around on top. And they're constantly bumping into each other.
1: And the way they bump into each other is with great force. Mm. Uh, slowly, but with force. Yeah, so great force over long periods of time. So a convergent margin is something where you have two plates colliding. One requires a space to, to move into, and the other continent is blocking it. Convergent margins usually result in mountain ranges, uplift, and which is a result of uplift, yeah, just- and, and a combination of volcanic activity. Mm. So yeah. along these convergent margins is where you have your most dynamic geological... So mountains are being built
0: really quickly. Yeah, right? and in a geological margins.
1: sense. In sense. In geological sense, yeah. So where we look at places like the Him- Himalayas, mm. the Andes. Yeah. It's uh, the one in Europe? Uh, the
0: uh, Alps. Alps. <laughs> yes. So I've actually been to uh, Mount Everest, been to the base camp there. Oh, yes. And, uh, speaking of... Uplift? Yeah, so it's way up there. It's one of the highest parts of the the planet. I think I was about 5,000 metres high, and I went to have a look at some of the rocks, and I came across a fossil, a fossil ammonite, a marine organism that lived 65 to 70 million years ago, something like that, which is actually quite young, geologically speaking. And so it occurred to me in that moment that some of the highest mountains on Earth are actually some of the, uh, the bottom of the sea, not all that long ago. So since life has changed over time I remember reading about the dinosaurs going extinct could we use the the changes in the types of animals that were alive the types of fossils we see to date the rocks like if there's dinosaurs in there it has to be older than what 60 million years or so
1: yeah so we can uh, and um, that's uh, that's just what we've just talked touched on there is two different types of, of Uh, addressing geological time. One is an absolute dating method. So we we take a specific isotope system and we calculate uh, within an error of of reason that this particular sample is 420 million years old, for example. Relative dating uh, is not necessarily dating your cousin, but it it is dating (laughs) layers of rocks uh, in their geometric, geometric relationship to one another. So by identifying different rock types, so sedimentary, igneous or metamorphic, uh, and determining how those rocks uh, geometrically uh, uh, relate to one another, we can get a relative age. So we can say something's, this rock is older than that rock because of X, Y. And there's a, there's a logic to it, isn't there? There is,
0: um, getting back to Mars, we can't use uh, the biostratigraphy, I think that's what it's called, the uh, different fossils that are present in the rock to figure out where we are in geological time because there aren't any fossils on Mars as far as we know. And we can't use this radiometric dating technique because we can't get the rocks back to our labs, right? So how, how do we date the rocks on Mars?
1: Good question. We don't have any rocks. You just don't said any rocks. Well, you just said we're trying to return rocks from Mars.
0: That's right. So we don't actually know absolutely the age of the rocks on Mars because we've never been able to make one of these radioisotope dates. That's why we're trying to get the, the rocks back. Or is that true? Well, there there not be been one, been? There's one uh, Martian, date for a Martian meteorite. Surface. Well, you can, ah, that's, so there are samples of Mars that have been returned to Earth naturally, the uh, Martian meteorites. And they all have different ages depending on uh, where they came from, which lava flow they they came Mm. from, for example. The problem we've got is we don't know exactly where they came from because uh, they were brought here by massive impacts on Mars that blasted them out into space and they eventually found their way back to Earth. So we've got a bit of a sample provenance issue there. Mars, unlike the Earth, not a lot happens on the surface. Plate tectonics isn't operating It may have operated in the past. That's one of the questions we'd really like to answer. But at some point, Mars cooled too much, and it's sort of just been frozen in place ever since. Um, But we can date the surface through relative methods. Because it hasn't changed much, we can look at the intensity of cratering. So there's always meteorites flying around the solar system, whacking into stuff. Earth doesn't have many craters on it because we're constantly renewing the surface.
1: How How is the surface being renewed? On the Earth. On the Earth. You just said it, through uh, plate tectonics. Plate tectonics. Erosion. Erosion. Uh,
0: weathering. Uplift. Uplift. Very dynamic. Compared it's to... It's so dynamic, it has uh, living things and it's got us. That's right. Which is unique, as far as we know. As far as we know, although we're going to try and test that hypothesis, looking at these old rocks on Mars. But anyway... So that's why we're there. That's what, one of the reasons we're there. Yeah. yeah. And so we know approximately how old certain rocks are on Mars in relation to others based on how densely the cratering is. But we yeah. don't know exactly how old any of it is. But we've got a lot of high resolution imagery. We do. We've got beautiful satellite maps of Mars. In fact, the maps of Mars are almost as good as Google Earth
1: from our best satellites around Earth. Well, interesting you say this, because I, I, I'm a marine geologist for the most part. I work in rocks that are underneath the ocean. Mm. And it's part of what people say is that we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about the, the depths of the ocean. Yeah,
0: and that's probably
1: true to some extent, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a, they're both very difficult environments to explore yes. at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. So, Luke, what else can we expect in this unit? So this, uh, this unit thinks about and encourages you to think about how life and the physical Earth are linked, how the physical process, so those geological processes, those hydrological processes, those atmospheric processes – how they've been influenced by life and how life's been influenced by those processes. So we can
0: uh, take a look in the geological record. Yes. And uh, hopefully, I suspect we might come to the conclusion that we're just temporarily animated portions of the Earth's crust. Yes. Can we take a look uh, elsewhere in the solar system to see
1: uh, maybe what makes our planet special? So in this unit, we'll... We'll start from the beginning, some of the earliest life forms that we've seen on this planet. We might even talk about how this planet was formed and at what point in time was it even possible for life to exist on this planet. Perhaps make some connections with what was happening in the other planets at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we'll go
0: from microbial life and then into uh, the Proterozoic, into the, the Cambrian explosion, the appearance of animals and then plants in the geological record. And so how
1: can people get involved over the next few weeks? So they can, firstly, make sure they're up to date with the Blackboard page. Mm -hmm. Very important because all the information for the unit will be posted and delivered through this this, uh, webpage. Uh, In that webpage, there is a discussion forum. And in that discussion forum, there's a place for you to list your podcast questions.
0: So don't be timid. Get on there. No. and It doesn't matter what you post. Worst case, we'll just
1: completely ignore it. You can, can put it in an anonymous post. You can put it in an anonymous be, post. Be uh, professional, of course. But uh, we'll do our best to, to incorporate that into the learning. Step up, ask a question, and make sure that you get the
0: most out of this unit. And enjoy yourself. And enjoy yourself. That's what we're here for. That's right. Well, and to learn. And to learn. So, folks, we will see you... Next
1: week. Hello and welcome to Mars. You are listening to the Ingenuity Helicopter. <laughs>